0: Mac Power Users, episode 296, the best of 2015. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users podcast. For the, one more time in 2015, I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with my pal, David Sparks. Hey, David.
1: Hello, Katie. How are you today? Happy um, New Year, happy, sort of.
0: Almost Happy New Year. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, another, another year of Mac Power users is winding down to a close.
1: I don't know. They all blur together for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I really uh, love doing the show, so it's always great kind of getting to the end of the year and looking back a little bit.
0: Yeah, and you know we were just talking about oh great this is our this is our last show we've wrapped up of the year and then all of a sudden we looked at the calendar and said so what do you want to record next week?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just
0: it just keeps rolling here. But um,
1: we're we're mixing it up this year with our year end show. Usually we do kind of a can uh, kind of we do a tech resolution show. We talk about stuff we'd like to get better at in the next year. And this year we're going to be introspective, and uh, we thought it'd be fun to look back at twenty fifteen um and talk about uh the stuff that we thought hit and what missed in the last year maybe there'll be some ideas in there for you and also I guess some of our hopes for 2016 but not the traditional resolution type show we've done in the past
0: yeah some, something a little different we'll we'll see how this goes and yeah I was I was looking back um you know one of the ways that I was prepping for the show is I was going through Apple's PR library and you can sort by year and and go through all of 2015 and yeah i don 't know i haven't i haven 't quite figured out what I think yet of two thousand and fifteen and in many ways it was a it was a blockbuster year because you had a lot of new releases from apple i mean we've we 've got the Apple Watch which was a totally new product line for Apple, and then you 've got the iPad Pro, which was an expansion of an existing product line and then you 've got major um, major releases like the Apple TV but in some ways, it kind of felt like it wasn't that big of a year as, as well. But I mean, oh gosh, maybe I just need to reset my expectations.
1: You know, it's funny. I was thinking, um, I've been thinking about Star Wars a lot lately, you know, with the new movies coming out. And you know, when I was eight, the first one came out. So that made such a big impact on me, you know, being eight years old and seeing that. And there's just in some ways, there's no way you can ever compare with that. I'll never be eight years old again. And in the same way, we will never be without an iPhone again. I mean, the iPhone was just such a product that just changed so much. I don't know if there'll ever be another kind of product that turns the world upside down the way the iPhone did. So so in, in a certain extent, every time they come out with something new, we're like, oh, that's really great. But it's not as big of a deal as the iPhone was. And I think that's the story forever, probably. So. I think what we have to do is look at everything in its own little box and say, well, does this, uh, you know, move the ball forward? Is this something that people can use to get more productive and make their lives better? And and I think if you if you judge things that way, it's a little bit easier.
0: Yeah, well, maybe let's let's kick this off by looking at some of our favorite hardware picks. And and we have both Apple related hardware and non-Apple hardware on some of our best hardware picks of, of 2015.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I'm going to go first. The, um, I have a controversial pick to, to get it started. And that is the, the new MacBook. It's the, uh, the new MacBook we've talked about a bit on the show. It's a, uh, it's a new category device. I I would call it the, the new ultra light from Apple. It's super light. That the, you know, famously it's got the keyboard that doesn't have the same amount of travel as prior keyboards. Uh, it's a retina screen 12 inch MacBook. And um a lot of people have tried them and hate them. I, I had dinner with a friend, a friend of our show recently who said, Oh yeah, I got one after a week I couldn't stand it. I took it back. And uh she obviously is not a fan, but there's a lot of people that are a fan and I'm one of them. So for me, that new MacBook has been really um liberating, you know, because I've got you know, I do most of my work on a on a retina iMac. So I have the big screen, but I do have to get out sometimes and, and for some of that work I need a Mac. And having one that is this thin and light is really great. And even just like doing work away from my desk at home, but but also out on the road. And uh this so this year I, I bought it uh very shortly after they came out. I went to the store, played with a little bit, and he said I was gonna give it a try. I uh I was initially gonna keep it the two weeks and and take advantage of the two week plan if it really didn't work for me, but it worked. And since then I've been off. I did a couple speaking gigs where I was out of town for a couple weeks. I've um I did a vacation that was ended up being a very much a working vacation and that little macbook has um, has just carried the load for me and it's been great the battery life is great the thinness is great um one of the things i really like about it is because it's so small i just take it places i never took a laptop before um we have um uh, you know i had a, a 15 inch before and and there's a certain amount of weight that comes with that and and um, with my new you know work, kind of work-life balance, I'm able to go with my family more than I used to. I used to miss out on a lot of stuff that they would do. And now I will go with them, and I know that you know, they understand maybe I have to go spend three hours working while they're doing something fun, but then at least I get to spend the rest of the day with them. And I can bring this MacBook. I don't think I would have ever done that with a 15 inch MacBook Pro. So um, now, not a year in, but probably about nine months, and I really like this this new computer.
0: Yeah, I I'm a little conflicted about the the new MacBook. Ever since the 12-inch Powerbook came out, I have been on the bandwagon of of smaller and more portable because I I had the 15-inch titanium uh book when when those originally came back and out and you know a couple generations of those, and then we got the 12-inch Powerbooks and And ever since then, and then I think it went, gosh, I think 13-inch MacBooks. I don't remember what the sequence was, but I was constantly getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And and now I've got a 12-inch MacBook Pro. I'm sorry, 12-inch MacBook Air. And, uh, you know— It's either
1: 11 or it's—
0: 13, thirteen, thirteen, gosh! Yeah. You'll, you'll hear Unless when we get, you get to, your
1: hacksaw. Yes. I know you're good with your tools. Yeah,
0: you'll, you'll hear when we get to one of the end of the shows. One of my wishes for 2016 is simplification of the line because there's a lot of stuff out there now. Um, but originally. I I didn't know which way to go, and I'm still a little conflicted about where am I going to go next. I know that I'm not going to buy another 12 inch or 13 inch MacBook Air because it's it's just kind of the compromise device. So the question is, do do I you know? On one hand, I'm looking at do I do I just. Do I just suck it up and go to the MacBook, which which also feels like a compromised device, but it's got a lot of pro- positives. You know, it's it's thin, it's light, it's small, but is it is it too small? Is it too compromised? Um, and make that be my one machine? Or do I go a completely different direction? And do I go, you know, maybe with like a 27-inch, do I go back to a desktop? I mean, it's probably been 15 years since a desktop Mac was my primary Mac. Do I get like one of these 27-inch Retina iMacs? And maybe go completely the other direction and go iPad Pro for my laptop. Um,
1: interesting, interesting choices. Yeah, the, um, the new the the one thing you left off is the Retina screen, and and to yeah. me, it's it's just hu- there's a huge difference. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I I really like a a nice sharp screen. Mm-hmm. And when I look at my my uh, kids' com- MacBook Airs and I go back and look at mine, it's it's uh, it's noticeable. But but in 2016, there's going to be a processor upgrade that everybody's predicting is going to make the the new MacBook significantly uh, more robust in terms of clock cycles. So I think you're going to like the speed bump it gets later, probably not too much longer after the new year, my guess would be probably by, by spring. And um, so there's going to be some good choices for you to make, but you know, I don't know. To me, so I I bought it as, and it's kind of going to be kind of a theme with a couple of my picks is I've been fortunate enough that I can have multiple devices, and I've kind of got over the the thing of worrying about. Well, I shouldn't have two. I should have one. You know, but I'm kind of okay having devices that are better at some things than others. And uh, so having the the big screen iMac when I'm working at my desk, and then being able to have the little one when I go on the road. I am completely on board with that. The reason I got off that train years ago was because syncing was so hard. But now, you know, we've got Dropbox and iCloud and Evernote and all these things working for us now that syncing just is not really an issue anymore. Maybe in 2016, we need to go back and kind of revisit syncing because there are so many tools. Maybe not everybody's aware of what you can do, but but it, it really just is not that much of a big problem to have two computers at this point.
0: Yeah. Well, okay.
1: So MacBook. MacBook. I I would pick that was one of the, one of the shining lights in my 2015.
0: Yeah. So my pick is going to be the Apple watch. And we we originally saw the Apple watch It, it debuted in April officially of this year. And I've, I've had this blog post that I've been meaning to write, you know, everybody's wanting to write these, you know, Apple watch, how it's been going six months on and now we're nine months on and, um, you know, the Apple watch is, is interesting. It was one of these things that honestly, when it was originally debuted, I, I knew that I was going to buy it because that's, that's what we do, but I wasn't really sure what its place was. And then as, as the time, you know, cause there was quite a lead up to the Apple watch, I think it was announced like three months before it was actually released. And then as the time for the Apple watch came, I got more excited about it. And it's interesting now that the Apple Watch is here, and now that I've had it for nine months, I, I'm very happy with it. I've I've worn my Apple Watch every day with only a couple of minor exceptions. You know, I, I didn't take it with me into the Grand Canyon, but that's it. I've put it on first thing in the morning every day after I've gotten out of the shower, and I've taken it off last thing at night as I've I've gone to bed. And so I I love the Apple Watch, and if it broke tomorrow, I can honestly tell you that I would be ordering another one immediately. But at the same time, I'm also not doing nearly as much with the Apple Watch. I'm doing everything that I thought I would, but I'm not doing as much as I expected that I would be with the Apple Watch. And and maybe that's okay. You know, the Apple Watch has really for me turned into just a a handful of things. I mean, one is obviously I use it as a watch. I, I've always been a watch wearer, so I that was just normal expect expected for me. But for me, it's really having notifications on my wrist and being able to keep my phone put away, not feeling this need to be glued to my phone, being able to have my phone in a purse, in a desk drawer somewhere else, and not constantly having to be able to pull the phone out or check the phone without this fear of, of missing something important has been tremendous. Um, So that, that has been huge with the Apple watch And then really the other thing is just having access to Siri, having immediate access mainly for reminders, but for also things like quickly responding to text messages or setting appointments or doing quick one-off things with the watch. It Basically, it means that Siri is always with me. She's always on my wrist. And so those are really the three things that I use the Apple Watch for. I have very few apps installed on the Apple Watch. I'll occasionally use it when I'm in the car to swap music back and forth or things like that using the now playing widget rather than my phone. But I'm not using the Apple Watch for much else. And I've decided that that's okay.
1: Yeah, see, that's what I was talking at the top of the show. It's like it's not going to the Apple Watch is not change the world the way the iPhone did all that being said boy it sure is useful i i was out doing um some shopping for the holidays you know we're recording this right before christmas and the um and i was with my sister who's kind of a a muggle when it comes to this stuff and she was just amazed as i was you know responding to my daughter who was shopping somewhere else for my wife and you know we were able to get all this stuff done and my phone stayed in my pocket the whole time and um and now she's interested, in one but the, I think it, it does change things. If you're a iPhone user, it's something that can up your game. It's not a must have. I mean, all the stuff we said at the beginning remains true, but like Katie, I do think that, you know, it, you're better off with it than you are without it. And I'm a guy who kind of stopped wearing watches. And now I wear the Apple watch every day and, and I'm very used to it. And occasionally, like if I get up in the morning and forget to put it on, I look at my wrist at some point probably within an hour or two of getting out of bed and get frustrated with myself. So it's definitely something I use all the time. And now are you still doing the fitness tracking with it?
0: I am. There's something about the calibration that's, that's not quite right. And there's a lot of room for improvement with the Apple watch. I mean, I went on a, a three mile walk the other day and got no activity points, but yet I went to Sam's club and, or, you know, activity minutes and, We went to Sam's Club, which is like one of those BJ's warehouses type things that you have. Yeah. yeah. And it gave me like 10 minutes of exercise. I'm like, okay, what's up with this?
1: Yeah. Well, and I think it it does still need work. And I think they're kind of still just figuring out where it fits. Uh, I think one of the challenges of the product is that it isn't one thing for everybody. It's different things for everybody. So. Uh, the fitness stuff will be a big deal to somebody for other people to be notifications and they've just got to kind of sort all that out and they haven't yet but yeah they're making progress and I I expect we'll see more hardware from them in the future and software improvements my wife asked me she says do you think they'll you know give up on it you know because you know she gets the person and I said no way this is a huge deal for them they're going to keep keep banging away at this thing. So
0: yeah, uh, it's it, not
1: going away anytime soon.
0: I think it is definitely gen one hardware. And I think one of the reasons we haven't seen many useful third-party apps on it is because of a lot of the lagginess and the hardware still. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I went to check dark sky on my, my watch the other day because it, we, we had a cold snap here. It got into like the low seventies for two days, you know, in December Wow, and, that's yeah. crazy! Yeah. Low seventies. I was I was getting a little nervous about it. I was yeah. wondering if I might have to go get a jacket or something.
1: Yeah, do and you even own a jacket?
0: I, I have a few light wind, you know, like the Scotty vests.
1: They get those waterproof things, yeah, because right? it's always raining there,
0: right? But
1: <laughs> I, or do you like? Are they made of chainmail so the crocodiles, you know, to protect you?
0: Right, that's exactly what they are. Yeah. But my, I was checking dark sky on my watch because I my phone was put away. My phone was was in the other room and it was like, OK, tap. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, the screen turned off. Oh, hang on. Got to go back. Tap it again. You know, just that. You another thing
1: that I still do with my Apple Watch is my wife and I send each other heartbeats and little smiley faces and hearts and stuff probably once every couple of days. I mean, I don't know. Does that That's make cute. us weird? Because mm. I, I heard all I, nobody I know does this anymore, but. To us, we we kind of like it. We have our own little secret language. It's kind of fun. Mm. So I don't know. Um, I I think it's uh, I think it's nice. It's, it's like it's not the iPhone, but it is a it was it is a pretty nice uh, add to the line. Okay, um, I have one that is not made by Apple Incorporated, and it is a um a really expensive wart that I stick on the end of my phone. it called the DXO One, and I've mentioned this about two months ago on our show and that i'd bought this and i still have a review that's going to go up hopefully by the end of the year at max Sparky, but if not january but it's a um it's a fancy camera uh sensor for the iphone and um you know i did not tread on this one lightly because it was a lot of money it was six hundred dollars to buy it but the um it's got a 20 megapixel sensor and it's got tons of control over the lens so you can take some really like if you're looking to improve If the iPhone camera's not good enough for you, but you're also not in the market to buy a $3,000, you know, SLR or something, but you want an improvement, um, this is uh, something, I don't know how big a market that is, but I'm in that market. You know, I didn't want to go crazy with money on on a camera improvement, but I knew I wanted something better. And this is really nice. And the other nice thing is because it's plugged in your phone, you get all the geotag data on there. The the image stays on the phone so I can use it for social media or email them off. You know, I don't have to worry about how to get it off the camera into my iOS library. But most importantly, it's just a really good camera. We went out to the, um like recently went to the Hollywood Bowl here in Southern California. We've got this great kind of mm-hmm. venue where the, um, you know, you can see orchestral music or pop music or whatever. So we were there in the evening and it's pretty dark and I was getting these amazing pictures with this DX01 that just not would have not been possible if I'd used the native camera and it would, you know, I, and I certainly wasn't going to carry a big SLR into that, into that place. So um, it, it's a nice move for the, for the, um, for the camera. I know that's kind of your thing, is it?
0: Well, you had this, I wasn't, it's not really my thing, but yeah. I was very intrigued by it because you had it at Milo Fest the other, um, the in last Florida. month or two. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I mean, one of the advantages of it, in addition to being um, less expensive than SLR, is it's way smaller. It fits in your jeans pocket. So, well, like,
0: yeah, because you brought it that night when we went to Disney, and you got some great shots. And yeah. I don't, I don't think you were carrying a bag that night.
1: No, my my usual rig with it is I've got the um, I've got a pocket um, tripod that folds up really small. And we've talked about it in the show. I'll look it up and put it in the show notes. And then I've got the. Um, and then I've got the iPhone attachment tripod. Um, oh boy, I forget their name now, but I'll, I'll put that the in the Yes. The Jil- yeah. yeah. Yeah, and um, so the Joby plus the um, the um, the tripod, so it, they both literally fit in my pocket, or if I have a small bag, they fit in there, and I even have a bigger tripod that I can that's got Velcro straps, so I can like attach it to a railing or something. But I just need those two things plus the um, the DXO one, and I've got complete control. Like one of the things I did when you and I were banging around in Magic Kingdom was either we uh, were taking a picture of your inferior Mark Twain uh, steamboat. Mm. It's, it's much smaller than ours, by the way. Um, I've heard this. Yeah. So anyway, I, uh, so I put it on the tripod and it was nighttime and I'm able to control the shutter you know, length. So I had like a two second exposure and it's, it's just a really gorgeous picture I got with stuff that was in my pocket, you know, and I didn't have something hanging around my neck. And you because know, when you're at, at Magic Kingdom with Katie Floyd, you got to run because she is like all over the place. She's so excited.
0: Well, you guys just lollygag around the place and you're yeah. like dum da dum da dum da dum. like you go every day.
1: Well, it's it's fun too because the DxO is fun too because it takes really good low light pictures. So like the stuff indoors, you don't have to take a flash with it. I don't know. I mean, it just it's it's you know sometimes when you spend a lot of money, you regret it. And this one, um, I really enjoy it. So that was a nice uh, upgrade this year. <sighs>
0: Well, I, I'll since you threw out a non Apple one, I'll throw out my one non Apple pick, and um, it, it's kind of two, but they're related. And this year, I finally, after gosh, more than ten years, upgraded my TiVo. And the last time I, I've been a TiVo fan since the early two thousands, maybe mid two thousands, when they when they first came out, and TiVo is basically a, a DVR, but it's it's better than the DVR that you buy. Or rent from your cable company, it's it's like the Apple of DVRs. Um, they've got a cute little TiVo man who down- dances when you restart the DVR, and it's got a great user interface and good app support. It's it's just a great user experience. And I've had the the HD version of the DVR. I, I think since two thousand and seven. So basically, when I bought my first HD TV, I I bought the HD version of the DVR, and. To their credit, it's, it's been fine. You know, I bought Lifetime Service, I upgraded the hard drive, and then I bought a second one when I bought a second HGTV. And those things have, have served me well. But, you know, the, the TiVos have been through four or five upgrade cycles since then. So finally this year, and it was kind of mid-year, I bought the, um, the TiVo Romeo line of DVRs. Um, now, TiVo has since come out with the TiVo Bolt DVR, but the Romeos are still around. Their their product line is a little segmented right now. Um, so I bought the TiVo Romeo DVR. I, I ended up buying the low-end version because that's the version that supported over-the-air antennas and cable. Um, and so I then proceeded to rip the hard drive out before I even turned it on and, and swapped it out with a three-terabyte hard drive. Um, and then I also bought a companion TiVo Mini, which is basically their their streaming box. So what this allowed me to do is replace my, my two DVRs with basically one DVR and then one streaming box. So I've got this one DVR now in my bedroom that's connected to my, or in my living room, connected to my over-the-air antennas. I can record up to four shows simultaneously because it's got four tuners, which is more than enough. The higher-end versions have six tuners, which would should be more than enough for a family and then I've got this little mini box which um is probably about the size of a, a little bit bigger than like Apple's DVD drive or super drive it's it's certainly thicker but that's about you know the the size of it length and width um, and that I just it's small enough that I've just kind of mounted behind my TV And that basically is the companion box. So I keep all the stuff on the, the the brains of it is on the DVR in my living room. And then I can stream whatever I want to the DVR in my bedroom. And I opted for the service, um, the lifetime service, but it's basically, everything is in this box with the exception of Apple. It's got Hulu, it's got YouTube, it's got Amazon, it's got Netflix, it's, you know, got all of those types of services. Not as pretty interfaces as the Apple TV, but the big one it's got is it's got Amazon, which the Apple TV currently doesn't have. It And it will record all of these shows either over the air or on a cable box. And it's just so nice to have this unified home entertainment system where I don't have to worry about, oh, where did I record this? Is it on this TV? Is it on that TV? It's got a unified search experience. So if I search for, I'm watching Sherlock again, by the way, David, I'm trying to catch up now that I've got some do- downtime. I'm so, so happy I, for you. Yeah. So if I if I search for Sherlock, it's going to tell me, well, it's available on Amazon, but you have to pay for it. Or you can stream it for free on Netflix. And so it, it tells you all of those things. So it's it's very cool.
1: So in general, you um, see, I, I just I have kind of avoided the whole TiVo thing because I don't want to pay another subscription. But, you know, when you say it's the Apple of, I, I think you're probably right, because the, yeah. the interface on mine at home is like, it's dreadful. But
0: well, but aren't you paying a subscription now? I mean, you're basically yeah, renting am. your box, aren't yeah, you? Yeah,
1: But I, I probably am. And it's probably not much of a difference in price, but.
0: Yeah, the the anyway. key to it I think. You, you got to do the math on the lifetime service. You know, what what is the lifetime service cost and then do the math of, you know, where's your break even point? Usually it's about just under 3 years.
1: Yeah. And you you got 10 out of your last one.
0: Uh yeah, 2007 is when I bought it.
1: You're not messing around. Okay. Um Well, I'm going to go back to an Apple product. But before I do that, why don't we just take a quick minute to talk about our first sponsor? Because we're already in quite a bit here. And that is our friends over at Braintree. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy online payments. If you're a mobile app developer, check out Braintree. Braintree is the payment solution used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, and Munchery. Braintree has made the payment experiences of these apps seamless and magical, and now you can add a similar experience to your own application. With excellent customer service and simple integration, Braintree gets you ready to receive payments quickly. Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means that you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is also helping solve problems of mobile card abandonment by offering a best-in-class mobile checkout experience, and they make payment experiences in some of your favorite apps seamless and magical. Now you can add a similar experience to your own app. Braintree gives you a full-stack payment solution, support for all the payment types your customers might want, including PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and more, all with single integration. It's with you across all platforms and with superior fraud protection and their fantastic customer service and fast payouts. To learn more and get your first $50,000 in tra- transactions for free, go to braintreepayments.com slash MPU. Once again, that's braintreepayments.com slash MPU. Thanks Braintree for supporting the show and making that great back backend for all of us users as well. So we can buy stuff and apps confidently. So check it out if you're a developer, uh, Braintree, uh, payments.com slash MPU. Okay. um, So th- I thought that my two big hardware picks this year are going to raise eyebrows from people or maybe some eye rolls, maybe even Katie Floyd, because
0: well, that's par for the course for you.
1: Yeah, that's OK. Um, so I, I I first got done, you know, waxing poetic about this MacBook that I like. And then uh, the funny thing at the end of 2015 is I find that my iPad is actually larger than my laptop. <laughs> and, um, you know, who would have thought? Right. So I have the iPad Pro and um, and you asked me before the show, is that going to be a pick uh, for you this year? Is that something we talk about why it didn't make the list or why it did make the list? And I'd say now having used it for, I guess, about three weeks or four weeks. I don't know how long I've had it now. Um, but it's, it's on the list for me. I mean, it, it is really, uh, a unique animal. Just like the MacBook, when you make it so small, it brings extra benefits. The iPad, when you make it so big, brings an extra benefits. And I know this is all kind of, uh, depending on what you do for a living and, and how you, you know, pay for your shoes. But for me, I do a lot of, uh, contract review. I mean, I just, the type of job I have, I get these contracts. I just had, one and, um, you know, a very long contract from a very large company and it was all in PDF. Of course they wouldn't give it to me in word and a very small type and, uh, you the, know, there's an app for that. Yeah, I know. And so the process of, um, but the process of approving uh, proofing that on this big 13 inch iPad, um, sitting, you know, sitting down in a chair instead of at my desk with the pencil where I can circle and annotate it, um, It was a very nice experience and something I had never really experienced with a contract review via technology before. And it was really eye opening for me. And, you know, I find that this big iPad Pro, I've been using it in the day job for things like that. I, When I sit down with clients and I I have little like uh, presentations, like one of the things I do. I do a lot of corporate work for people and, you know, a lot of them are small to medium sized like software companies. They don't really understand what they need the corporate stuff for. So I've developed a bunch of little keynote slide presentations over the years saying, well, this is why we do this or pick this form over another. And I have a little keynotes and it's just kind of a nice way to, to convey the information. But uh, you don't bring a projector to a meeting with two or three people in it. But a 13 inch iPad actually is quite nice for that. Um, I find that it's really useful for consuming video. Um, I've been going through the Linda course on um, on Swift lately. They have a new course on Swift and it's been really fun having that on the iPad screen right next to my iMac. So I can have Linda just on the, the 13 inch and then Xcode open on my Mac so I can kind of work with it without having to share space and just overall, it, it's been really nice. And I finally did get the keyboard for it. So I've got the keyboard and the pencil. I, I like the Apple keyboard. Uh That one got some beef uh from some of the reviewers. That's not, you know, as good of a keyboard travel action. But, you know, for what I'm doing with it, it's just fine. And, you know, it's just like an iPad. So it's got that always available Internet connection, whether you're tethering it or you've got the cellular radio inside of it. But Uh, I find that uh, this is a a purchase I don't regret. Uh, I like having it. It's not perfect for everything, but the stuff that I do on it, it's generally better than doing it on the other devices I own. And I think that's what I was looking for.
0: So tell me about handwriting on the iPad. I know you're using it for contract review and and markup. Are you actually using it for any note-taking?
1: I've been playing with that and um, the app for that, um, is notability. That's the best one that I've I have found. I've been looking at. There's several out there. Some some of them will even recognize your handwriting. And I, I tell you what, names of them are. But I've got my iPad working for me for the show. It's got. It's right now. It's serving as a second display to my iMac with all the recording tools open on it. But uh, I think Notes Plus was one of them that if you write uh, legibly, you can actually have it uh, OCR that text. But Notability, uh, for so long, has been such a great application. In fact, I think I'm going to do something with Notability after the new year to kind of show people how I use it. But the um, it's uh, it, that's a good one. Um, the drawing on it has been fun. You know, me and the kids have been kind of goofing with that. I'm not an artist, obviously, but that's it's kind of fun to have the ability to do that stuff. But but you know, the practical kind of like use it for work stuff for me has been highlighting and contract review i mean one of the workflows i do with it is you know when you've got a pdf with very small text even when you blow it up uh, the pencil is a very accurate pointing device so if you want to highlight a certain section just using a pdf app like one of the so that would be a workflow i have i put the contract up on the screen i have the i have the whole thing on the screen then i i um, can highlight with the pencil to get the exact parts i want highlighted then i can tag it for a note and then what i usually do depending on what kind of um, language i'm putting in though if it's simple language not something that's too complex or complex vocabulary i'll just dictate it into a note into the pdf app using the siri dictation if it's something that i'm using a lot of um, more repeating words or custom words for i just swipe over the dragon anywhere application because that's got my full dictionary in it so it does a better job dictating and i will dictate into dragon anywhere and then copy and paste it into the document but it's a very smooth workflow once you get going with it and you can do it anywhere and with the big screen when you need to blow something up to read it better you can it's just um it's just a very smooth workflow yeah
0: so are you still using your iPad Air 2? Are you yeah. now, do you, so are you, are you now, a, th- this is what I'm terrified of. Are, are you, and I guess it's not a bad thing, but so you've now got an iMac and a MacBook and then an iPad Pro and an iPad Air.
1: And an iPhone. Well, yeah, and
0: an iPhone, It's given.
1: So And an Apple Watch. <laughs> so that's the full David Sparks load. Yeah, well, I went to sell, it's not an iPad Air 2, it's the well, original yeah. IP- yeah. iPad Air. So the resale value on it is not very high. Um, and there are, t- I mean, the iPad Pro, as many things as it's good for, it's not good for uh, carrying around in your bag unless you've got a pretty big bag. So I, um, I haven't used it much away from the office or the house, except when I really like, if I'm going to a meeting with the express purpose of bringing it, uh, I haven't figured out yet. I haven't sat in a meeting with a client to take notes while I'm talking to a client on it because I think it might be too much of a curiosity still. I don't want to get in the way, but uh, I expect in the next year I'm going to start doing that once I kind of figure out what the apps are and the workflow. Um, The uh, so the iPad Air for the the resale value I had on it wasn't very high, so I decided to keep it. And uh, what I've done with it largely is it just stays on the bedside table, and I um like when I sometimes I'll you know I'll lay in bed and go through OmniFocus for the day or answer some emails with it. Um I I expect maybe if I was on an airplane I might bring the iPad Air but I don't know with the keyboard built in and everything with that I have on the iPad Pro I'm not, I'm not sure how much I'm going to use the iPad Air but I haven't sold it yet.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean sometimes it's just worth more for you to have even if it's just a nightstand iPad. It, yeah. it it may be worth whatever the resale value is for you to have it as that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know. But like even just like, like reading uh, comic books and sheet music and just, you know, large print type materials. Uh, I just prefer the pro for all that stuff so much. Yeah. I don't really know where it fits. yet. I, I guess the point is they didn't offer me so much money for it that I was in a hurry to sell it. But I'm not sure if I'm going to keep it either.
0: Right. Well, maybe it's time to move a little bit out of the, the hardware realm. Um, and let's talk about, you know, I was worried the show would run short. Apparently, that's not going to be a problem. Um, but yeah, let's, talk a, not. Yeah, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about the, the software and, and apps and services that that we um, either have started using or that have gotten significant updates in, in 2012. Or maybe that we've started using in different ways in 2012
1: okay. or 2015,
0: you, except it's 2015, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh,
1: I think you lost three years there somewhere, Katie. I, I did. Yes. Just yeah. time flash. <laughs> All right. You want to go first?
0: Yeah. I'll I'll start this round off. So one of mine is uh, an app that I use every day for for hours on end, and and that is Overcast Two, and that's Marco Arment's podcasting app. It has probably been my default. You know, it was originally one of these things that I just bought. You know, because Marco's our pal, and I I want to support him and what he does. And I started using it, and its its big claim to fame features are it it has two two big features, and one is um, a feature called Smart Speed, which will take uh, pauses out of of speech, but yet still retain kind of the speech pattern. So when we we speak, we all have natural pauses in our. our voice. Some of us have more than others. And depending on, on what we're saying or how excitedly we're saying it, we, we may have more or less pauses. So smart speed will go in and will reduce those pauses, but not totally eliminate them because that would just be weird in the speech. And so you can save, you know, 10%, 13% or, or whatever, just, just by reducing some of those pauses and speech patterns and then the of course it has the ability to um uh, increase the the playback speed of podcast very granularly instead of instead of just you know 1.25 1.5 you know 2 2x two speed you know you can get in there like 1.7 1.8 and and things like that uh, so i i really like overcast i i think it's it's very well designed it's got some unique features and now that i now that my job is, you know, one red light away from my house, I have almost no commute, which means it's really cut in on my, my podcast listening time. So being able to compress and being able to listen to more shows in, in less time is, is huge for me. So I've almost always got podcast playing when I'm not doing anything, you know, when I'm getting ready in the morning or when I'm working out or when I'm doing the dishes or when I'm cooking at night or just while I'm cleaning the house. I've I've always got a podcast going and usually I've got it going at, you know, somewhere between 1.75 and two two X speed with with all of the the tweaks and the settings. Uh and it's just been great. So it's it's been a huge, huge app for me this year.
1: Yeah, it really um has come out as the leader in the podcast, you know, app Plane Space. That's the one I use too. Um, I'll tell you one that I picked and I think this one will have a, a few, uh, respectful disagreements from some of the listeners. But by and large, I am really impressed with Apple's photos, you know, movement this year. Um, uh, for so long, we didn't have a centralized way to manage photos. And this year, Apple came out with a, a dramatic, well, that, you know, they rebuilt iPhoto into this new photos application. Um, and you know, to some people, that was not a good thing because it meant tearing down Aperture or stopping support for Aperture. But it, the new app is, in my opinion, without question, better than iPhoto was. Um, they've got this new back in cloud service that is managing, you know, some pretty massive-sized photo libraries. Like in our, in my library, I've got nearly thirty thousand pictures in it, and it's just there. I mean, the stuff shows up on my iPhone, my i. IP- my iPads at this point and my Macs and I can download them. I can make changes on one platform and it automatically shows up on the other. I can tag them. I, you know, it's not the um, it's not the end all be all of photo services. If I was a professional photographer, I'm sure I'd have issues with it. But it's just been really uh, stable for me. And uh, every member of my family has got their own photo library now. So we don't have one library always managing their own through the system. And none of them have any problems. I wrote a uh, I did a video field guide on it this year because I was so impressed with it. And I've got many, many, many emails from people that are very happy with it. And a few emails from people that have had just dreadful problems with it. So I guess everything comes with a bit of a risk, but I, I feel impressed that Apple did this. I mean, just a couple of years ago on the show, I was, I was talking about how Apple just didn't seem like they had the will or inclination to make a decent cloud-based service. And the thought that just a few years later, I'm trusting them with all my photos is, uh, is testament to the fact that they've really worked hard on that. So, uh, I'm happy with photos this year.
0: I've I've switched over to Photos. I I enjoy it quite a bit, and I've really enjoyed the sharing features within Photos because with several family events this year, I've just created shared photo albums and invited several family members to those photo albums, and boom, now they now they have the photos from those events, which has been nice. So um, I created a an album that I just I just share with my grandparents, and I just put not all, but a couple of random family photos in there. And those go into their, their libraries. And I've got it set up such that those are now their screensavers on their computers. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for, for, you know, elderly people, sometimes when they'll just, they'll just sit for hours and not out, but for a while and watch, watch the screensaver go by and I'll, I'll hear them say, you added new photos to my computer. And I said, yes, I did. It, It was magic.
1: I mean, I, I wish that existed when my mom was alive. I yeah. wish it because it was so hard. I mean I you know, I, I used to joke about it. It's like when I'd send her an email, I would send the email, then I'd drive to her house and then I'd open the email on her computer for her. You know, yeah. that was how I got her email. Right. And um the uh yeah, so the um well, I just wish that I had a way because she was at, at one point disabled and really not able to get up very easily. And if I could have been talking to her on the phone and said, OK, we'll turn to channel, whatever. And then all of a sudden new pictures of the grandkids show up. Uh, boy, I wish I had that service. So that that is nice. And that's some of the sharing features. But I'm what I'm talking about is just the general idea that you can take all your pictures on your phone that they're going to be geotagged. They're going to, you know, be in the library. If you put them in specific libraries, they're going to stay there. I mean, that's one of the reasons, I think one of the reasons why I was willing to pull the trigger on that DX01 is because I'm fully invested into this photos library now. And I don't really want to screw around with having a camera that's got things on another stick that aren't tagged and aren't part of the system without me, you know, going to extra steps. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I, I just feel like they did a really good job. Now, I know, and feel free to write me if I'm wrong. And oh, you're one of those people that had a bad experience because you'll hear it, But I'll tell you, I mean, I've received a lot of email on the subject because I wrote that uh, email. I'm sorry, that photo's um, video field guide. And by and large, most people have had similar experiences to me in my, you know, in, in if you look at the sample of people that have emailed me about this.
0: Yeah. So I, I do have a question for Max Barkey, video oh field guide guru. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, and I think this is just a limitation of photos, but I have noticed that when I – so if I'm going to be the master, the, the holder of all the original high-quality photos, and then I share them with people in the photo stream, they're getting a much more compressed photo. So, for example, if I've got, you know let's just say, a, an 11-megabyte photo, a, a high-quality, high-resolution photo that's the original, and I share it out in my photo stream – the person that I'm sharing it with is is going to get a, a very compressed photo. And then if they then take that photo and want to do something with it, like make a photo book or make a print or something like that, they're, they're going to have um, degraded quality. Is there any way to get around that?
1: The, um, the short answer is no. Okay. Yeah. Not I mean, yet, the, at least. All right. I'm could, adding, you, adding that you, to
0: my wish list for 2016.
1: Yeah, you could, you could send them the larger photo. But I mean, just in that sharing mechanism, it's not going to... It's going to take down, I think, the least, the, the smallest size it can. And it, I don't think it's going to automatically upgrade that without, there's no switch for it. I mean, that's one of the limitations of the service, frankly, is that Apple doesn't give you a lot of control over it. You just kind of get on the boat and either get on the boat or you get off the boat. And uh, that's yeah. something they could probably that stand was, to improve.
0: That was one of the, the limitations we came across is um, I, I obtained the the photos uh, with with permission, of course, from yeah. my my brother's engagement photo shoot because I'm doing all of, you know, the, this technology stuff. And my mom wanted to create a photo album for them for uh, Christmas. And so we went over to her house to do it. And I realized, oh, you know what? We need to do this from my computer because I have the high res versions.
1: Hey, you know what? I think before we do another pick, you should do an ad spot.
0: You think I should talk a little bit more about my uh, amazing wedding planning extraordinaire capabilities? Yeah.
1: Yeah, let's, let's hear about
0: it. Well, speaking about that, I can tell you a little bit more about Squarespace, one of our sponsors for this episode. Um, and you too can be an amazing wedding planner with the help of Squarespace by heading over to squarespace.com and entering offer code MPU at checkout to get 10% off. Um, so if you're building a website online, whether it's for a wedding or whether it's for a business or, or anything else, Squarespace is really what you want to do. And in fact, it's really the only place that I considered when I found myself in the position of of having to build a wedding website. They give you all of the power you need and take away all of the pain points. You don't have to worry about hosting. You don't have to worry about scaling. You don't have to worry about what happens if the database crashes. You don't have to worry about, is your site going to look good on a mobile phone or an iPad? Squarespace is going to let you build a site that looks professionally designed, regardless of your skill level, with no coding required. They've got these easy-to-use tools and templates. In fact, you know how many wedding templates they have? A lot. I don't know how many, but let's just say it's a lot. So my future sister-in-law came over one night. We made an evening of it. Uh, We went through the Squarespace wedding templates. There were too many of them. I mean, a lot. And so we found one that she liked. And then we started customizing it. We based the colors based on the the colors of her bridesmaids dresses and the colors of the flowers that she was looking at. Uh, We started putting in the details about the reception and her registry. Um, They even had graphics based on um, uh, places that people frequently like to register. We started uploading those photos because we had those nice high-resolution photos and Squarespace is going to dynamically scale them for the device. And within really just a couple of hours, we had a stunning website that was up and going. And if you need any help, we didn't with this, but if you do, Squarespace has got tons of and answers for you. They've got 24-7 live support, uh, support with live chat and email, and they've got teams located in New York, Dublin, and Portland who are there to help you. Uh, they've also got a commerce platform, so if you wanted instead of like letting someone shop on your registry, you can even have a button where people can make donations directly to the bride and groom, because I hear that's a very popular thing now. Or perhaps make a donation to the website designer was my suggestion, but they didn't think that that was appropriate. Um, and it's it's really economical, especially for the person who was donating the website because their plans start at just $8 a month. Or if you buy a year, you can save even more and they'll throw in a free domain name. So you can get started with a free trial, no credit card required. Just head over to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, use offer code MPU, because I did, uh, and you'll save 10% off. Uh, Thanks to Squarespace for their support of the show and all of Relay FM.
1: Okay. So you you want some um, healthy criticism?
0: Are you looking at their wedding site?
1: No, no. I, I'm just talking about your procedures, oh. your your wedding planner procedures. Okay. I I hear two mistakes that you made. Number one is you let her see all of the wedding templates. I know
0: that was a mistake. You, you that should really say, was. well,
1: there's only two. There's this. Pick the best two and say you either get this one or this one, and then that's that makes that's it a lot why easier. it took
0: a couple of hours. It would have taken a lot less time if we yeah, hadn't done I,
1: that. So that's for mistake number. And mistake number two is you showed her how easy Squarespace is because now. She's not going to be as impressed with what you've done for her. See, if she if you had not shown her how easy it is, she'd be like, oh, my new sister-in-law. She's amazing. I think she spent like a week building our website, you know? Yeah, that's true. You lost a chance. Rookie mistake. Yeah, exactly. All right. uh, What's your next pick, Katie Floyd?
0: Oh, my next pick. Um, Do, D-U-E, Do is uh, an app that's been out for a while, but it got a pretty significant update in uh, 2015. And it's new to me in 2015. I had always mistakenly thought that Do was a task management app. And I don't need a task management app. I use OmniFocus and I'm very happy with that. But instead, Do is really a better reminder app. And again, I don't use Do for everything. And now I really have certain tasks in OmniFocus, certain lists and reminders And then some really important things or things that are, I guess important is not a good word, things that are particularly time sensitive, I put in do. Because the great thing about do is it has this ability to auto snooze your reminders. So for example, I've got a recurring reminder that do tells me is going to go off in about an hour that tells me every Mondays at at 8 p.m. to take out the trash. And if I had that in the reminder app or in OmniFocus, it would pop up a reminder Monday at 8 p.m. and then I would never see it again. So if I'm sitting here recording a podcast with you or if I'm in the middle of dinner or if I'm doing something else, I'd get that reminder and I think, oh, okay, I've got to take out the trash, but it may be an hour before I'm in a spot where I can actually do that and I may have forgotten about it because you know that's about how long my attention span is. And so what do does is it will give you a notification, but then it gives you the ability to auto snooze your reminders. So most of my reminders I have like on a 15 or 30 minute or sometimes even an hour, depending on how important it is, auto snooze. So for my take out the trash reminder, I've got it on a 30 minute auto snooze. So until I tell it it's complete at eight o'clock, it's going to remind me. And then at eight thirty, it's going to remind me. And then at nine, it's going to remind me. And then at nine thirty, it's going to remind me until I. It's, so it's going to keep coming back and pestering me until I tell it that I've actually completed this task. And it's got a companion iOS or a watch app, so it's going to tap me on my wrist to remind me to do these things. So I I keep things and do that are um, time sensitive. Um, and and sometimes like one off things or are, are things that I only do occasionally, like um, take out the trash is a once a week thing. I've got post Mac power users late Sunday evenings, you know, bad things happen if I forget to post Mac power users on Sunday evening. So I've got I've got that and do um, if I'm like taking medications for some reason, if I'm taking antibiotics and you don't want to miss a dose of that. And then I put, you know, take medication and do so that I don't forget that. Um, so I don't have many reminders and do, but it's it's for those most important reminders.
1: It's it's really like the digital string around your finger. It's great. Yeah, I, I agree. I use it not like you. I use it very rarely, but the stuff I do use it on, it's, it's quite useful. Um, you know, there was a third party service that um, that that took off this year. That I think a lot of people are using and people who aren't should consider is Slack. And, um, it's, it's really not that difficult of a service. They, um, you know, it's a bulletin board system where you can, I, I guess I'm simplifying, but it's a way to communicate with other people other than email and text messaging. And it allows you to keep a record. They've got a really nice business model. And the more I use it, the more I like it. I, I think even in 2016, I'm probably going to get a paid account for my law practice where I'm going to have a dedicated Slack channel for each one of my clients, because I think it's just a great way to work with some of my technology savvy people. And um, boy, that that's something that really took off in 2015. And if you haven't used it yet, you probably should be checking it out.
0: Yeah, cool. Um, what about you? One of my other picks is Plex for Apple TV. Um, notice I didn't pick the Apple TV. I picked Plex for Apple TV. And I've, I've yeah. been a Plex advocate for for years. But having Plex on the Apple TV is really what has made everything come together. I, I used to use this convoluted home sharing plus a Mac Mini plus a Drobo. And then I had to make sure everything was synced up and turned on and all of this other stuff was going on. And that just got really annoying and was cumbersome and worked like 75% of the time. But more often than not, I had to reboot something or reconnect something And I've just got almost everything in Plex now. And I I still use my, this is mainly for my video workflow. Um, uh, With the new Apple TV, it's, you know what, if it's an iCloud, if it's an iTunes, great, it's fine. It works wonderful. But if it's not, it's in Plex. And it's, it's the first app on my Apple TV. And it has just solved that problem for me.
1: Yeah, I'll never forget when my daughter, oldest daughter was playing with our new Apple TV and she found the Plex app. And I have it's it's connected to the Drobo that's connected to my iMac. So she saw all the old like, you know, Barbie, you know, Disney stuff that I'd ripped oh years ago when they were little. And she was delighted. You know, I mean, you know, when you're a kid, just like I'm nostalgic for Star Wars, they're nostalgic for their things. And
0: it's like you pulled the Tupperware of the old toys out.
1: Yeah, exactly. And she's like, where did you, how did you do this? You know, so yeah, you definitely, and if you've got the new Apple TV, why don't you? you I'm sure you've got hard drive space on something in your house that could connect to it and they, they make it really easy. So that's yeah.
0: a. Now the point being is, is Plex is not just an app on the Apple TV. It's a back-end service that you do have to set up. And, you know, we, we've talked about Plex at length on, on other shows, but the nutshell is, is you've got to have these media files someplace and then you have to have, Plex running either on a a NAS that will support Plex or on a Mac that's always up and running to index these, these files. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But once you get it going, it's pretty nice. And finally it's official, you know, it's not something you have to hack your Apple TV to make work.
0: Right.
1: Um, The, uh, another one that I would pick, this one has an even bigger question mark over it than, than photos is Apple music. Um, there's a lot of people really unhappy with Apple Music this year. Apple released its own music streaming service for the first time. Um, I'm, I guess, once again, in that lucky group where I haven't really had much problem at all. It's $15 and my entire family can, you know, eat whatever they want off of the app. You know, anything basically in iTunes is available. And we all have very distinct music tastes and we all love music. So, uh, we are, they are losing money on us. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> we love the music. Like just the other day, we went and saw the new Star Wars movie and driving home. I, Put the um put the soundtrack new soundtrack on my phone and listen to it driving home because with Apple Music you can just do that stuff. Um, as we went through the holidays, I had custom playlists. My uh, my Christmas jazz playlist got so much better this year because I didn't have to pay for every song I added to it, and um I got some really great you know eclectic stuff out there. Um. Boy, I, you know, I really love it. Now, I know that there are listeners out there that have had trouble getting to work, getting to sync. Uh, Famously, Jim Dalrymple has had nothing but problems with his music. But uh, for us, for all four of the people in the Sparks house, it's it's worked really quite beautifully. And
0: and Apple Music is actually what sent you back to family sharing, right?
1: Yeah, it did. And Flameth sharing has been just fine as well. I mean, I feel like that in 2015, maybe one of the sub themes of the show is Apple got a lot better at cloud services. I'm not going to say they're as good as Google at it because they aren't, but they've got a lot better at it. They're, they're closing the gap. And um, I would expect as they put more money and time into this and get better at it in the future. That's only a good thing.
0: You know, I think Apple music is, is a wonderful thing, especially for families. And especially if you're a big music fan, I didn't fit in that, that category. It just wasn't my thing, but I I think it's a great service if, if, if that's your thing. So.
1: A lot of people do. I mean, and then like the Taylor Swift, they did a thing with Taylor Swift just recently. So I've got a bunch of teenagers in my house watching Taylor Swift on our Apple TV. And, but the, um. I don't know. So it's worked good for me, you know, and and this is one that, you know, comparing to photos, I got a few complaints about photos. I've received many more complaints about Apple Music from listeners that had trouble. So, you know, be careful. But but generally, it's been very good for us. Cool. What about what else you got for 2015?
0: Um, You know, I would be remiss if I did not mention uh, TweetBot4 in 2015, because that is an app that we have waited with bated breath for an update to TweetBot. And it is finally here. Uh, TweetBot went universal this year. Um, It got some great new features this year. It kind of feels like it was finally uh, an updated, full-fledged iOS citizen. Um, TweetBot is my Twitter application of choice, and I'm just so glad to have TweetBot 4 be here.
1: Yeah, I have um one that this is uh, not a new service in 2015, but it, this year was particularly helpful for me, you know, for there was a period of time where I had got sick and it really slowed me down and that nevertheless, the email barrage was coming in, you know, open to my own new business this year and publishing books and doing the podcast with lots and lots of email SaneBox, which is a, a full disclosure, a sponsor, but I do pay for the service. They don't give it to me. Um, the, uh, and it really earned its keep this year. I mean, because I, there was a point where I just was unable to deal with the, the influx of things coming at me, but I still needed to get to the most important. And samebox is the only way I was able to get through it. You know, samebox is that service that basically filters your email for you. And, um, we'll put a link in the show notes. You can learn more about them if you want, but they, um, they really earned their keep with me this year.
0: Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. I don't know if you've ever mentioned it if you have time to run through quickly what what are your folders you have or how do you have your set up?
1: Um the uh I've got I pay for three different accounts. I've got it on my work, my my Max Barkey, my personal account. I've got a bunch of deferred ones and the deferred ones range from 3 hours to 5 days. And so I'm not, you know, against deferring folders. I've got um on I guess the one that's probably most interesting for our listeners is the Max Sparky one where I've got like feedback. I don't know how it knows this. Oh, yes,
0: I've got that, too. It's so great.
1: I don't know how it does it, but it figures out when someone emails in that listens to the show or reads a book or something and it puts it into that feedback when I don't. I really honestly don't know how it figures that out, but it, it does a really good job of that. I've got the later one where it's not as important as an inbox, but still kind of important. I've got one called news where it puts like news item type emails. Um I've got one because I do some of some transactions with um with PayPal because I sell the PDFs and the the videos directly through PayPal as the back end, and it automatically takes care of those for me. Um you know, I'll do a post on it at some point because I we're already running long in this show, and or maybe maybe we'll talk about email management next year sometime. That's a but good idea.
0: We should There's that. a
1: lot. There's a lot you can do with it. once you get it going, and um, it's it's just really a big help because you know the bottom line is what you really want out of your email is to see the most important ones. If you only have a few minutes, you want to make sure the most important ones get addressed, and that's why same box is worth every penny. So that was that was very helpful to me this year. I don't think I would have got through that illness without, you know, really screwing things up without having
0: sandbox. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. Um, One of my other apps and uh, again, full disclosure, they're also a sponsor that I have really increased my usage of this year has been. One password, and I didn't realize that I could increase my usage of one password. But two things have really upped my my game with one password. One is they added, and I I, I get email because I know I say this incorrectly. I'm going to call it two factor authentication, but it's not necessarily two factor authentication when you have when you're getting the second factor on the same device. So they call it something else, but like token authentication. But but that basically that thing where you get a code that that repeats or I'm sorry, a random code that is auto-generated. 1Password added the ability last year to now do that. And then I think it was earlier this year, it got that ability in it got it on their iOS last year, I think earlier this year on their Mac app as well. A second factor authenticate, I don't know, anyway. But that tops protocol. And so now... It means that I can just go ahead and log into my devices. I used to use a product called Authy, which is great for managing all those second factor authentications, or I was getting them by text message. But now I can manage them all in one password as well. And that's been wonderful. And then the other thing is I've now got Touch ID on my iPad as well as my iPhone. And man, having Touch ID on the iPad is is huge because it means you can just slide over having slide over and touch ID on the iPad is, is huge for one password.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Hey, I want to talk about our third sponsor today, and that's our friends over at automatic automatic is a connected car adapter and it plugs right into your car's diagnostic port. And, um, you know, the one, the mechanic uses when you go in and every car since 1996 has had one of these ports. So you stick it in, and then it pairs via Bluetooth to your phone, to your iPhone. And so when you drive, it connects your car to the Internet. It's just a great, great system. I've had them. I bought them for my daughter and my wife because of some of the features I'm going to talk about in a minute. And they're just it's great. And, and they've got a free mobile app and they've got a website so you can go check it out. And one of the first benefits is trip logging. So when you get in it, you drive somewhere, automatic knows how far you drove, how much gas you used, tons of data about your trip. It even can grade you if you want. Um, they've really improved that this year. They've got the ability to automatically flag a trip as a business trip. You can, it's even got a phone, you know, on the Apple watch app, I'm sorry, where you can tag it. Once you get to your destination, was that a business trip. You just tap your watch and it tags it for you. Um, it's got crash detection. So if you get in a crash, they will call you for free for help. You don't have to pay monthly service. They just do it. That's the reason I bought it for my wife and daughter, because they'll call me as well. If my daughter's car is in a significant accident, I get a phone call like within seconds. Um, and it's a human and they'll stay on the line with you until help arrives uh, it'll decode engine problems so you know when you know when you get that thing says check engine or check engine light or something you don't know what it is uh, and then you, you get to go to a, a mechanic and hopefully the guy's honest with you now you can actually get the exact diagnosis so you know what you're up against uh, and it'll improve your driving with real-time feedback it, it helps you you know not accelerate as hard or brake as hard it can help you locate your parked car they've got Tons of stuff you can do with it. Uh, there's an additional feature, Katie, I bet you didn't know about the automatic. And that is that um, if you buy one for the right people, you get free cookies. And um, uh, my sister-in-law. I, I didn't t- know that. She, my sister-in-law took a job where she um, uh, is driving. She kind of is self-employed in a sense where she she writes off her mileage. And she was telling me how, how hard it was her to keep track of it all. Last Christmas, I bought her an automatic and um now almost once probably at least once a month she brings me cookies cuz she she just loves it so much cuz it it's completely took that problem out of her life and she's saving money because she's able to to accurately record every single trip and i know it's it's uh, resulted in i'm sure she's got way more than i paid for the device back and saved uh, money uh, it's just a great device they have third party app support so they've got custom apps you can build like if you want one in, like exact you know um just um, uh, diagnostics on what your car is doing. You can have it right there on your phone. Um, they've got connection with if this, then that rescue time. Uh, boy, there's just so much you can do with it. So it's ninety nine ninety five, but there's no subscription fee and it, you it ships in two business days and you have a forty five day return policy. So if you don't like it, you can turn it back. I don't know anybody that's turned one of these things back, uh, but I got a better deal for you. If you go to automatic.com dot slash Mac power, That's automatic.com slash Mac power, like Mac power users, but remove the users. You get 20% off. So it's $80, just 80 bucks. And you've got this thing and you're all set. Maybe you got some holiday money you want to spend or going into the new year. You want to get better at reporting this stuff. This is the way to get it done. Automatic.com slash Mac power. Great device, free shipping. Thank you for sponsoring the show.
0: I gave my brother an automatic and I have gotten no cookies.
1: See, I got them. And they're good. I mean, she she gets, she's got the peanut butter plus chocolate chip. Now that that's a pro move right there.
0: I, I will I will I will look into this cookie Oatmeal. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked about a lot of products that made our list and apps and services, but there there are a couple of notable things that, that didn't make our list. And I, I know if we don't address why, we'll we'll get email about it.
1: We'll get email either way, but mine well, should go yeah. first.
0: So uh, there, were, there were a couple of things that that didn't make make our list. Um, one is the Apple TV. You know, we were so I especially was so excited about the the Apple TV. I I love my Apple TV. I've actually bought a second one now for my bedroom, um, but yet I don't think it's a revolutionary device. I think it's heading in that direction. I think the app support is wonderful, but I I I just. I don't know that it was was quite enough to be a, a great revolutionary device of twenty fifteen.
1: Okay. I mean I, I I'm with you. It it didn't like blow my hair back. I'm really happy to have it. It's a um it, it's a it's a significant improvement over my old Apple TV. But I think there's some limits that what they can do. I mean, I think what they really want to do is is sell the the content to you. And I think that's going to be really difficult the way, you know, legally all this stuff is all tied up.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I I want to buy the content. Um, I want to have access to the content, especially as a cord cutter. But there's a lot of things that I still can't access on the new Apple TV. And I know that's not Apple's fault. I know Apple wants me to have it. I know that's, uh, you know, some limitations with the deals that they they haven't been able to put in place. Um, but it, it, to me, it feels like an unfinished product.
1: Um. Well, I don't think that they can control necessarily control that part. No, I know to they me, can't. To me, the unfinished product part is a couple of things that seems to me like they got wrong. I don't like the way the text entry is Ugh. with the one line scrolling. I just feel like that was a, a poor decision. And though we maybe, do have the
0: remote app now, that's better.
1: Yeah, that's true. But it just seems to me like the on screen keyboard could have been better. And uh, I like the Siri integration, but I feel like it doesn't go far enough. You know, like it's, it's still difficult to know. Like every time I see that stupid on-screen text entry where I have to s- slide across the screen, I just want to be able to press Siri and insert text wherever I'm at. And it doesn't let me do that. So it feels to me like, the inter- for as long as it took them to make it, I feel like some of those interface things should not have made it to the public. Some of that stuff should have been solved already. Um, so I'd like to see that improve on it. Um, overall, though, like putting apps on it is great. I, I love some of the, and we did a whole show on it, so you can go back and listen to that. But uh, I still like using, I still use it all the time. Uh, I do like the new remote. I don't, you know, I think the touch uh, interface is great, uh, but it just feels to me like the product just needs a little bit more refinement. And hopefully we'll get that next year. Yeah. What about the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus? How come that didn't make either of our lists?
0: Well, it didn't make my list because I didn't buy either one. Oh, that's um, true. And I, that's true. I traditionally don't. I don't buy the the S product cycle. But I, I got to tell you, I I don't have any regrets about not buying the S product cycle. And as, in particular, this one. Um and maybe you can tell me what what i'm missing out on a a better camera the the camera's always better i mean sure it would be nice to have a better camera but it's it's not a it's not a, a must have for for me at this point the the one on the 6 is good enough until i get the the one on the 7 that that's fine uh the the 3d touch is it seems like it'll be a fine feature but it it wasn't a must have feature for me. I'll be happy to get it on the 7, but it's not something I'm going to go, you know, spend $500, 600 for to go buy an iPhone on a contract for.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to try and convince you to upgrade a 6 to a 6S, but well, what, I, what I will tell you is that uh, the 3D Touch is a bigger deal than you think it is. Um, you know, the peak and pop, and the ability to, um, to quick launch apps into specific functions. Once you start doing it, you'll do it all the time. That's a, that's a really nice improvement. The other thing that's really nice with the success and the reason I didn't make my list is because I, you know, the other two products were kind of newer and, and really more life changing for me. But the, um, the, the other thing that I really like about it is. The camera, of course, is better, but the thing that is really noticeable to me, and I haven't really seen many people write about this, is the video stabilization on the 6S is way, way better than the 6. And if you shoot video...
0: Specifically the 6S Plus, though, right?
1: uh, I think it's the 6 and the 6S, because I've done it on both. My wife has the 6S, I have a 6S Plus, and they both are significantly better. Um, this I, I, the video stabilization, the software stuff they're doing to stabilize video has come a long way. And um, if you've got kids or if you shoot a lot of video, you're really gonna like it. And I'm not saying go sell your six and buy a 6S, but you know, uh, this year Apple made a significant jump in video stabilization. So whatever you're getting your next new phone, you're gonna have a treat if you if you shoot video.
0: The other thing that didn't make our list this year were, uh, well, I guess the iPad Pro made your list, but the iPad Mini Four didn't make mine. And I love the iPad Mini Four. Don't get me wrong. If if you're using uh, an original iPad Mini, um, I think it's a great upgrade. But I was upgrading from the iPad Mini Two to the iPad Mini Four, and aside from you know Touch ID and it now supports split screen, uh, as someone who doesn't necessarily need the processor power that's in the iPad Mini Four. It's a great upgrade, but it's not a necessary upgrade.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Do you want to talk about some tech news from the past year? Because that's another thing looking back at 2015. We never do that on the show, but we had several people on Twitter uh, raise subjects that they thought we should at least comment on.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's been an interesting year in, in 2015 for, for tech news. Um, one of the things is I think we have to talk about Tim Cook. You know, Tim Cook is, is a very different CEO than Steve Jobs was. Um, he is very, um, he's outspoken against, um, uh, the, what he sees as social injustices in the world. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's certainly a product guy, but he's he's also, I think, very interested in making the world a better place. And that, that makes him an interesting CEO to watch as well. Um, as after we record this, you know, the the 60 Minutes interview with Tim Cook just came out where he comment on things like, like privacy and social injustice and worker conditions and the environment. And um, I think those are things that he, he really takes to heart.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it really is his Apple at this point. And I, I like Apple's kind of, increasing bent towards social issues. I think that a company of that size, I think it's it's interesting and um admirable that they're that they're willing to put their neck out like that. I mean not a lot of people would.
0: And they're um, still doing fine. I mean, they're still making money yeah. hand over
1: fist. Yeah, exactly. They're still selling 16 gigabyte iPhones. <laughs> yeah. well, we'll talk the, about the, that later. Well, But one angle of that story, though, that you mentioned about this invasion of privacy, I think that is something that came to light in 2015. I think you and I and, and probably our listeners were always aware of this kind of distinction where, um, you know, when you look at these big companies, there's different ways they make money. And Apple has never made their money by keeping your information, whereas other companies do. And there's pluses and minuses for that one. You know, it's nice not sharing all our information with these companies, but when they don't have all our information, it makes it a little harder for them to provide cloud-based services, which in a lot of ways explains why Google is better at some things than Apple and Apple is better at some things than Google. Um But this year... Apple, for the first time in my knowledge, really started to make a public stink about that. I mean, Apple is, is starting to really jump in there to say, we are not keeping your private information. That is not the way we do business. And where before it's always been kind of a policy, it seems like now it's more of a public thing that they're using it as a marketing point. And going into 2016 and beyond that dividing line, it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch how this all plays out. I mean, is it going to help them from a marketing standpoint? Is it going to make people more comfortable using their devices? Is it going to mean that their their cloud based services aren't as good and their devices aren't as desirable? It You know, it's not an obvious answer to that question, but they have drawn some lines this year. And that's a big news story to me that's going to affect the way this technology evolves in the next couple of years.
0: It's it's a difficult question. It's a it's not it's not easy by any means, because there's so many complexities to this issue, because in encryption can be used for for legitimate purposes. And it can also be used for nefarious purposes. That doesn't make the technology bad by any means. I love having encryption, but I know that there are other people out there who who use it for for bad purposes. But, you know, who's to say then that I can't have encryption just because there are people who will do bad things with it?
1: Yeah. And and the flip side of that is if you put back doors into the stuff, I mean, Apple very publicly is refusing to put back doors into their devices. So governments can't read your stuff. And their point is, look, you know, we, if you make a door, the good guys aren't the only ones that are going to walk through that door. And, um, you know, you That's may true. be creating a lot of problems. So but, but, you know, they may not have a choice as the laws evolve, but but they are certainly taking a stance. And that was a new story of this year that I think is going to continue to have repercussions into 2016. And speaking of 2016, I'd like to talk about a few of our hopes for some technology stuff in the coming year. Um, we've got several points here. Maybe before we dive into that, do you want to talk about our last sponsor?
0: Yeah, our last sponsor for this episode, um, our last sponsor for 2015, is our good friends over at the Omni Group. And I want to talk a little bit about Omni Outliner because that is a program that has just saved my bacon all throughout 2015. I think it's an appropriate end to the year because, as you know, I went back to school this year. I, was it last year I went back to school? I guess it was last year I went back to school. But, you know, I decided that I wanted to go back to school with with Omni Outliner because that was how I took notes. And uh, it has it has not been a disappointment. It has been everything that I hoped it would be and more. And if you outline, if you think in outlines like I do, if you want to take notes and outlines or anything like that, Omni Outline is the premier outlining tool for Mac and iOS. It allows you to store and collect all sorts of information for any types of use. Uh, you can use their built-in themes to get started, or you can go completely free flow, whatever you choose. It is feature-rich and flexible, and you can use it for any number of tasks something as simple as creating lists, you can outline a speech, you can take notes like I do in class, or you can even use it for writing a novel, and you can quickly add structure to your information and beef up your outlines. One of the things that I'll do is, you know, I'll read the reading for any given week and I'll outline the reading notes, and then I'll supplement it with whatever lecture notes we have, and I can expand and collapse the outline as I'm working on particular pieces of it, Um, and this is all easily accessible through easy keyboard shortcuts, and then you can supplement with additional information by adding things to your outline. So you can pull in attachments, you can pull in photos. So if the teacher puts something on the board, people will run up after class and take a picture of the whiteboard, and I can easily drag and drop those into Omni Outliner. If there's a PDF handout, I can pull that into Omni Outliner as well. Or if there's something that's particularly confusing, I, I don't do this often, but for certain times, I'll s- click the record button and I'll start recording as I'm outlining, so I can jump back to exactly, um, you know, exactly what was I doing when or what was being said as I was outlining these things. Um, And of course, you can share all of your outlines by exporting them into a variety of formats. And my favorite feature is that all of this information can sync across all of your devices, whether it's a Mac or an iPad or now an iPhone, uh, using OmniPresence, which is their free, reliable, and open source sync solution. So you know that your files are always intact and available. Uh, the pro version of Omni Outliner brings even additional features like additional export formats, Apple Script support, advanced style control, and more. Um, so if this is something that, that piques your interest, uh, head over to the omnigroup.com. You can download and try it before you buy. Get a free two week trial over at omnigroup.com com And all of Omni's apps come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So head over and check out Omni Outliner over at Omnigroup.com. And thanks to Omni for supporting our show through all of 2015.
1: Okay, Katie. Now, heading into 2016, uh, this is not tech resolutions, but just hopes and dreams. What what are some things you'd like to see happen next year? I'll go ahead and go first. I, I think I'd like to see Apple uh, continue the focus on stability. This year, both... Um, the, you know, the, um, El Capitan and the iOS nine releases have a lot of nice stability improvements in them where, you know, we got things working together better. I felt like last year when they had that, you know, last year was the big year of integration, you know, where the, the Macs and the iPads and the iPhones all talk to each other a lot better than before. I felt like they were reeling from that. And this year they did a much better job of kind of like tightening down things. I'd like to see that continue in 2016. What about you?
0: I'm hoping that 2016 is going to be the year that we figure out this USB-C and Thunderbolt thing. Um, there's a new USB spec that is coming out that's going to be kind of a merger of USB-C and Thunderbolt, and we've, we've seen that on some other computers, um, but Apple has not adopted it yet. I think that is really what we'll – we don't know what to do. We've got these Thunderbolt peripherals. We've got these USB-C, but it's only on the MacBook. I, I think Apple right now has a product line that's in transition, and I think the the next iteration of USB-C that will really incorporate Thunderbolt um, will really become the ultimate port because then you can do some high-definition displays. Then you can run some of these other devices um, and m- maybe more than one port, you know.
1: Yeah, I'll It'd tell you the nice. next, th- the next thing I'd like to see happen is, um, I want to see this year we saw the first steps of separation in iOS between iPad and iPhone. iPad's getting some features that make sense on iPad and don't make sense on iPhone. Um, I think that was set, certainly related to the release of the iPad Pro. And now that I'm using an iPad Pro, I want to see even more separation. I want the iPad to get some more power features. I want the keyboard shortcuts to get better. Um, just you know, like I want to be able to cut and copy between two different windows when they're open on the screen without, you know, having to physically cut and copy. So I just want to drag it over. And it feels to me like those that's there's a lot of low hanging fruit to make the iPad more productive. I yeah, feel like they, know, they just got started this year. year.
0: Yeah, next year's the year of iOS 10. Yeah. Um, I can't help but wonder, you know, we've got Mac OS, we've got Watch OS, we've got TV OS. I can't help but wonder whether soon we'll have phone OS and iPad OS.
1: I don't know. I don't know that they have to separate it. Um I think they're fine keeping the name the same if because that that's kind of the brand. But the... um. But I, I think that the days of keeping them feature parity needs to end. I think that there are certain things that the iPad is just get that bit. Now you have a 13 inch screen on this device. You know, why do the icons? I mean, the obvious one is why did the icons look so ridiculously spaced out on an iPad Pro? I mean, um, uh, th- there's just a lot of stuff there that is not. To me, it doesn't seem to me like it would be really difficult to um to start breaking those apart and and making the iPad even better at what it can do. So um, hopefully this year we see that trend. I mean, th- last year was the first step in that direction. So the question is this year, do they keep moving in that direction or do they feel they've gone far enough? I don't think they've gone far enough. I hope that they I hope they don't either.
0: Yeah, I really hope my next hope for 2016 is that we finally see some reform come to the App Store. Uh, this year, we saw a lot of problems with the App Store and with the Mac App Store in particular. Uh, it's, it's basically been abandoned and we saw some issues with the security certificate in the Mac App Store. We've seen a lot of not- notable developers leave the Mac App Store And I personally am seriously questioning whether I want to buy anything other than just, you know, low-dollar, low-value apps from the Mac App Store. They're are a lot of benefits to the Mac App Store, certainly when you're reinstalling devices on a computer and having certain access to iCloud Sync. But there are also a lot of trade-offs that come with the Mac App Store as well. And there are a lot of problems in the iOS App Store too. You know, developers are not making the money that they need to be able to make to make this a sustainable business for them. And you're starting to see good developers leave. So Apple recently did some rejiggering of their corporate lineup. Phil Schiller has now been put in charge of the App Store on all platforms. I hope that's a sign that they are starting to take some of this seriously and, and seeing that some change needs to be made. I'd really like to see some of these sandboxing restrictions lifted so that, you know, great apps like Text Expander can come back to the Mac App Store so that we can have like apps like, um, you know, Backblaze or Carbon Copy Cloner or apps like that go into the Mac App Store. Those apps have never been able to be in the Mac App Store, but they're great, wonderful, safe apps that that should be able to be in the Mac App Store. Um, You know, those are the users who need access to those apps the most. Um, And I'd like to be able to see developers make a little more money. I'd like to be able to see, you know, free trials and paid upgrades Um, and then a little more policing in the App Store. I know that's a controversial topic, but, you know, all of these ripoff apps that are in the App Store and this inability to find things in the App Store, you know, those are just a couple of reforms that I'd like to see come to the App Store in 2016.
1: Amen. I give you an amen on that one. <laughs> okay. um, the, uh, the, the something else I'd like to see improved kind of related to the separation between iPad and iPhone is I'd like to see iOS continue the trend towards iOS automation. And, um, you know, we're seeing that now with apps like Workflow and Drafts and some of these other apps that that are out now and and well accepted. Apple is embracing this to a certain extent. I think Workflow got an Apple Design Award if memory serves or they got some kind of award recently from Apple. I, I think that's right. Um, so that's really good to hear. Um, I can tell you, with some of my friends in the software development community, and we'll be covering this in the upcoming show, that there are steps being taken by some some very smart software developers to make iOS automation even better. And I think a lot of that's going to start to see the light of day in 2016. So we have a lot of interesting things to talk about next year in terms of um, blurring the lines and and where an iPad can be more efficient than it used to be. So uh, that's that's actually not just a hope. That's a promise. There's going to be some great stuff coming out to look at next year.
0: Assuming you can make it through app review.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it will. I mean, as I understand what's going on, it's going to be, I don't want to say too much, but we've got some interesting things coming our way and workflow got through. So I think these types of things will get through too. right.
0: Um, you know, I talked about this a little bit with the Apple TV, but I, I would like to see, and this is more of a personal request, but I, I think we're seeing things go this way. I, I'd like to see the networks become friendlier to cord cutters. You know, I, I don't have access to the CNN app and a lot of the content in there because I don't have access to CNN because I don't have a cable subscription. But I would happily pay, you know, three to six dollars a month to have access to live streaming CNN on my Apple TV and there are a couple of other apps that I would pay a couple of bucks a month to basically give me a la carte access to to their their content and their services. And I bet those people would much rather have me pay a couple of bucks than not get anything from me as a cord cutter. But there's no ability for me to access this content right now because it's it's all locked down to the networks. And if the future of, of Television is apps, this is what the app platform was designed for. You know, Apple has has built this entire ecosystem just for this. We've got the in-app purchase ecosystem, we've got the Apple TV, we've got apps, we've got the development platform. There's no reason that this can't work. We just have to start seeing the content providers step out and, and make these offerings.
1: See, to me, the problem with all of this is that you still have to pay the cable company to get that that pipe into your house.
0: You, and, yeah. And you know and, what, that that price is going up yet again. I just got my cable bill and I, 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 I need to go back and look. But since I cut the cord about three years ago, my my cable Internet only bill has gone up roughly from fifty five dollars to seventy five dollars.
1: Yeah, And and they are going to find a way to get their pound of flesh out of you. And if you get to the a la carte stuff, I'm not sure that you're going to save any money over just paying, you know, the traditional model for the, you know. The you know the the big pipe of all the channels. So
0: yeah, I think you I, have to be very careful because it, it, we we can be five ninety nine and seven ninety nine to death, and I think many of us already are.
1: I do think that um, really the the long term solution to this problem would be at some point where if internet became something that was just available. I mean, if the technology got to a point where every city. Could say okay, you know, as part of your, you know, our sales tax collection or whatever, we're going to just have internet for everybody, and maybe it's in the, you know, maybe it's a, it's like a citywide Wi-Fi. Like garbage super, collection. Yeah, I mean, or yeah, well, that would I, mean, be I, I, I pay usually, for my garbage collection. Well, I was going to say you pay for that, but I mean, it could be something that's part of your taxes. I don't know. I'm just kind of like blue sky in here. But it seems to me if the technology ever gets to a point where it becomes the effectively a public utility where, you know, it's not super expensive or it's part just part of what, you know, the cost of living, uh, then that opens up the option for other content providers to to open channels and things like the Apple TV to really work. But it seems to me that so long as you still got to pay the cable company, it's going to be really hard to make this work where you actually save a bunch of money. I think you're always going to end up paying. So I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, but we're talking about hopes for 2016, right? So uh, we asked uh, some of our listeners, what are their hopes for 2016? Uh, David and many others wrote in to say, you know, I wish I, Apple would just get a little better at battery life on the iPhone, you know, be willing to make it just a little bit thicker. Give me a little bit more battery time.
0: You know, David, for $99, you can buy this accessory that Apple
1: just <laughs> released. I don't know, with the 6S Plus, I don't have a battery problem, you know, but I really don't. I I don't, it's not an issue for me because I have the jumbo phone, but with a smaller phone, I I know some people have an issue with it. Uh, Another one that several people wrote in was, you know, please, please Apple dump the 16 gigabyte phone, you know, and uh, we've said enough about that, but amen to that one as well. It needs to go. It's, it's going to be 2016. If they put another 16 gigabyte phone out, I mean, how do you, how do you explain that in any way that makes sense?
0: profit up sales
1: yeah well that's yeah that's not the reason i want it works though i just was in there with a friend who bought a new phone she got a 64 if they had a 32 at the low end she would have bought that um eric and several others wrote in saying they'd really like to see apple uh redesign the springboard on ios and Mm, uh that's a good
0: one yeah you mentioned that
1: i think that wouldn't be a bad idea I think it's about time. I don't know if they will because it's so easy for people who don't work with stuff a lot to understand the existing system. If you change it, that's gonna throw a lot of people off. But at least icon spacing could be improved. I don't know. We'll see. All right, Katie Floyd. We made it to the end of a year. You didn't you didn't chase me off. No. You didn't didn't run off screaming into the woods.
0: Another twenty sixteen you know what? Twenty you know what my hope is for twenty sixteen? What's that? that we hit episode 300.
1: We're going to. That that's a done deal.
0: <laughs> that's a we're done planning.
1: Deal. <laughs> we're planning.
0: And and we will have more news on that soon. We've got some plotting and scheming that we we've, we've got to do with the folks at Relay, but but stay tuned. I expect that we will have an announcement about uh, what special things are in store with epi- for episode 300 because it's only four episodes away. And uh,
1: you told me we wouldn't make it to 10
0: in the near future. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I am, I'm very rarely wrong, but I'm glad that was one thing I was wrong about.
1: But that one was a doozy. It was a doozy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, if if it's the only thing I've ever been wrong about in my life, it's, it's, that's okay.
1: And and, and I want to thank all our listeners, uh, getting through another year with us. We, I know both for Katie and I, this is just a labor of love. We love doing the show. And this was a very exciting year for both of us and lots going on. And, uh, it was fun to have you along with us for this ride. We can't wait to bring you another ride in 2016. We have a lot of great show content planned. We've got some shows on the books already that I think are going to be some of our best ever. I can't wait to record them. Um, thanks to our sponsors today. That's the folks over at Braintree, Squarespace, Automatic, and Omni. Uh, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us on Twitter at, at Mac Power Users. Katie's at Katie Floyd. I'm at Mac Sparky. Anything else, Katie Floyd?
0: Um, you know, I don't think we've mentioned our websites recently, David. You do a lot of great stuff over at MacSparky.com. And uh, if the listeners haven't already, they definitely need to check you out.
1: And my BB-8 ringtone post is a big popular one right now. Absolutely. Yeah, I went in and did in Logic, I made all the B B A 8 ringtones. And everybody's downloading them from my website. So check that out, MaxBarkey.com. Katie Floyd is over at KatieFloyd.com now. Not just not, you know, you, you upgraded that this year.
0: I did upgrade that this year, yes.
1: K yes. a t i e f l o yd.com katiefloy.com great content there as well
0: and you can find the show at relay.fm slash mpu Uh, thank you everybody it has been a great 2015 and we will see you next year
1: happy new year